I'm Tony Craig. I play Jackie O.E. on Do South, and you're listening to Do South by Southeast. Welcome to a very special edition of Due South by Southeast. My name is Detective Scree, and with me, as always, is. Oh. oh, I can't remember my official title. Our civilian liaison, Nicola. Woohoo! And of course, oh, how could I forget? Of course, Dottie Baker is here. Oh. And. Again, like, I don't know why I, I bother with this, but uh, just just a little thing. But here she is, it's Monty Michelle. Is there any point me being here? Well, that's why I wonder sometimes, as I did during the interview we've got today, <laughs> where you each provided a question, kind of. Yeah, I think I spoke twice. Yeah, uh, we interviewed Tony Craig, Detective Jack Huey. Jack Huey, is it? Jack Huey? Yeah, it's Huey. Come on, give me some backup, guys. Jack Huey, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. also. It's just. You know, when you just hear and you go, "Am I, am I saying that right?" It's kind of important because we interviewed him. Uh, he was absolutely lovely. Mm. What a, a, a true gem. We're going to go over to our interview in a minute. Uh, we had a great time. He he said, "Yeah." How I, I said, "How long have you got today?" In fact, I'm going to play. I think I might play in the whole thing, even the bit when we just start chatting to him yeah. again. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, he's going to say, oh, I've got half an hour. Uh, we, we may have gone a tad longer than that in the end, but you'll hear that in the interview. Uh, so thank you very much. I mean, someone from Due South, that is actually on my list of, I've mentioned it before, I've got a list of 40 things to do, Prime 40. On there was interview someone from Due South. So that's another one I get to tick off the list. Yeah, and he was a great person to have on as an interview. Oh, what an amazing awesome. man. How storied uh, is his life as well? I mean, he, he's, well, you know, again, I, I don't want to do that thing of in the intro mm. giving away what we talk about with, you know, t- telling you what we talk about because you'll hear it. But we do talk about his music mm-hmm. and how many fantastic musicians he's worked with, what a long tail of a career he had in music before he even got to acting, yeah. how he gets into acting and we do talk some Juice South. But, you know, when you've got these people on from a programme like Do South, it is really fascinating to talk about some of the other stuff they've done. I didn't even get to a lot of his uh, other jobs on his CV, but he has indicated he might be up for another return interview. Oh, I hope so. Well, I'm thinking, like, between every series we'll have Tony Craig. <laughs> Although... I keep getting him back. <laughs> we do have a Do South exclusive in here as well, which he tells us. Which yes, I, I, it, it sound, sounded like he's never told that before. The way he was saying it's like, I don't know if this is called to say, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, fuck you know, it. And he tells it, anyway. it, which is lovely. 
but there's also we hear there might be one due south cast member we may not get in the future because <laughs> yes. of his feelings about Which is uh, a real shame, actually. about the program <laughs> but that's all the teasing you're going to get um apart from you later nicola so yeah that makes it sound like we have to take turns me yeah, yeah. oh damn i drew the short straw tonight <laughs> <laughs> although yeah there was one moment where uh because what i decided to see this time is sometimes when i do interviews and god i've done interviews with so many people from doctor who on my other podcast i like to every now and again just go for look up a few basic facts about the person and then just discover stuff as I'm talking to them. It's can, it can add a certain energy to an interview. And as long as the person's a good talker, and I don't know why, I just got this feeling that he was a articulate talker. I don't know what I was basing that on, just a chat to him online. He seemed like a chatty guy. If someone's a bit more nervous in interviews, it's good to have a lot of prep because that helps them kind of, you know, you can ease them into questions a bit more. But this time I decided to do like you know basically just find out as i was going so it did lead us to sort of like ask about his music and he's going oh so you don't know that i'm a drummer you know and it's a, just a few bits like that but it's again i think for the most part it did work out because we were discovering stuff and if you haven't heard it before you can i think more purely express how interesting it is because yeah. you're not just hearing a fact back again you've already heard you're hearing it live and I think we did get a few questions out of him, maybe which you haven't heard on another Due South uh, interview by the man himself. But before we get to that, uh, oh, and by the way, just just as always, a big thank to our network, the Wonky Spanner Network, uh, to uh, Matt Lees, who does our theme tune and does our little jingles on the podcast, and uh, Johnny White Trash, who does a little intro. And uh, we do have an intro which we need to do now because we've got a little order of business we like to call... Of course, Michelle's at the ready and not leaning into a bag right now no. to get the mini Mountie list. I'll have you know I am as professional as always. You've got done. I'm done. a tiny little slip of paper. <laughs> is this the second? We've got one A4 sheet, which is now filled front and back with names. And Michelle's now got a little scrap of paper from little one of those, I guess, detective flip notepads. I guess it's kind of appropriate in its way. I had to improvise last time. This was all I had on me. I will transfer this onto a larger piece of paper. But this is what I've got for now, and it will get it written down, so it will do the job. I'm going to despair. That's all I'm going to say. So, Michelle. I have got a pen. What number are we up to? Let's start We're there. We're up to 67. Right, well, number 68... It's quite an important one. We interviewed him, but earlier today, you're going to hear in a minute, it's Mr. Tony Craig. Yes. So we're going to find you a pen, Michelle. Oh, God, this is so professional, looking for a pen while we're talking. <laughs> and, of course, Nicola is helping by looking at her phone. I'm busy. You should be busy doing a bloody podcast right now. <laughs> and take part. I'm trying... I am actually trying to buy a one-year-old's birthday present... And another present for a little girl that's in hospital. So there you go. Oh, yeah, it made me feel bad. Oh, it is. In, in yeah. fact, actually, the, the young lady in hospital is one of our mini Mounties. It's oh. Whitney. Uh, could you find her number? Michelle? I can do, yes. So, uh, Whitney, she's okay, though. She's just uh, oh, yeah, in hospital. Absolutely, yeah. She's having some antibiotics in hospital, but yeah, she'll be out. Um, well, as always, on due south by southeast, we look after our mini Mounties. We mm-hmm. send them love. 
It's part of being in the club. If one of our mini mounts is sailing, we pass on the lob. I don't have it on me. Are you good? It's on the list. Yeah, if I had the whole list, that would help. <gasps> no. You've lost half the list. Literally lost half the list. Is that home somewhere? Well, yeah, it's going to have to be at home. How has that even happened? It isn't like closed or something, is it? It doesn't look like So we're just going to oh rustle paper goodness. on there. Is this the least professional we've done Oh, jeez. So right, Michelle, just find the list later, okay? I will do. I will find it. Uh, just one job. One job. One job. One job, Michelle. Can't even do that. Oh. This is why you get named last. Oh. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, so uh, we've done that. We've done our shout-out. Uh, have we done what rum we're drinking? No. What rum are we drinking this week, uh, Michelle? Uh, Michelle, uh, Nicola. Yeah, I was just talking to. We're not getting any more professional here, are we? No, and Ian had one job. Remember one job. Our names. One job, Ian. <laughs> two names. So that's two separate jobs. I'm going to say. You couldn't even get one right. Okay. No, I got one right, just not the other. And don't clap your hands on the mic. Oh. God, we're trying to look professional. We've got a proper <laughs> interview with someone from Juice South. Honestly. What rum are we drinking? Don't clap your hands. What rum? Say this. Don't... What rum? Joy. Jory 173, which is a golden spice rum. It's very nice, and we have had it before. So if anyone, or before anyone, writes in or comments that we have had that one before, yes, we have, because it's nice. And if someone does write in, what can they do? They can buy us some more rum. <laughs> or... I like that idea. Yeah, Send it's great rum, stuff. people. Send it to us. Yeah. That's not the line I was thinking you were going to say. They can... What would your dad say? Ram it. There you go. <laughs> I was trying to get that as a thing on the show as well. They can rub it. Rub it. Yeah. So, uh, right. That's that's the rum out of the way. That's the mini Mountie out of the way. That's Michelle lost half the mini Mountie oh, list. So, sorry. so the fun's out, the rum's out, and now the interview is out. Uh, but for now, I've been Detective Squee with me has been... Civilian Aid. Elaine Nicola. And... Mountie Michelle. And of course, Dodgy Baker. And here is our interview with the gent, the legend of music and film and TV. Here is Mr. Tony Craig. This room start recording. Hello, Tony. Ah, oh, yeah, we can now. Okay. Oh, there you go. I can't see you, though. Oh, no, I haven't got video on. Um, uh, I'm not... Sorry, it's the first time I've used Skype through my phone, so I'm not sure how to turn video on here. Shall we just stick to audio today? Okay. Is that okay? So the, vid the video is not that important? No, no, it's just for an audio podcast. Oh, good. All right. Okay, cool. There you go. Excellent. May I say, you're looking uh, awesome in that uh, suit you're wearing in your photo. You got a great face, for a great voice for television as well. <laughs> so what, is that from a job? <laughs> it's my best joke this morning, man. Saturday morning, come on. <laughs> no, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. Uh, That's we're, the best I can do. No, you were doing great, sir. I was just wondering, is that picture with the suit from a job? I'm sorry? Is that picture from with, with you in the suit? on your uh, Skype profile? Is that from a program you're in? Oh, you mean the profile picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying you were looking very snazzy there. Oh, yeah, I look 
like that the minute I wake up. I, I roll out of bed just like that, man. That's how I, that's how I roll. Did you, I did, you? did you take that photo this morning? Yes, just as I roll out of bed. <laughs> Excellent. Within seconds, I roll out of bed and boom, there it is. Okay. Well, I'm yeah, here... Man. I'm here with my uh, co-host from the podcast. We've got uh, Mountie Michelle here. Hello. It's great to talk to you. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm great, (laughs) thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine now. Still trying to figure out that British accent, man. I'd love to have one of those. I've been working on it for 20 years and it still sucks. (laughs) Sir, I would love to have your cool voice. You've got a very cool, deep voice. Well, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's smooth, man. <laughs> We've also got Nicola here as well. Hello. Uh, hello, how are you? Hiya, you all right? Good. There's a bunch of deuces here in Toronto this weekend, apparently. I was oh. on the golf course yesterday, and I got a text that they're hanging out at some restaurant today. I assume Tom is probably going to be there. That guy is everywhere, man. He doesn't miss anything. <laughs> but... Uh, Apparently, um, well, it's been a late notice. They wanted me to come hang out with them at 11 o'clock at some restaurant downtown. And I said, too bad. I'm hanging out with the guys from South by Southeast. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That's what we like to hear, sir. <laughs> Her name is um, uh, Christina something. i, I got to look it up. Well, um, just to, to also just explain, uh, I've got my dog here, Dottie, or Dottie Baker, as we lovingly refer to her on the podcast. And so if you hear any extra sound effects in the background, that's just her grooming herself. Okay. <laughs> We're a very professional podcast here. Uh, okay. Listen, your secrets are safe with me. No one is going to hear about this. <laughs> Between you and us. What well, happens on the interview stays on the interview. What's that? I said, what happens on the interview stays on the interview. That's right. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, things. I just brought this new posh mixing board, some new microphones and everything, and I don't have a wire to plug the bugger in because they didn't supply one. So you're having trouble finding the correct position. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just the correct wiring. <laughs> All right. Which might sound worse. Uh, how long? All the time. How long have you got today, sir? I'm sorry? How long have you got for the interview today, sir? I just don't want to uh, overkeep you. I got all day to hang out. Oh, awesome. You guys win. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, how long do these things normally take? Uh, anywhere between an, an hour and a couple. An hour? Yeah. Is that possible? Oh. <laughs> I was I thinking about a half an hour, I figured, because I looked at your... Uh, you know, the podcast on there, and look, I'm actually thinking all sort of around the 30, 35 minute mark. Yeah. But I have about 30 minutes, if yeah. that's okay with you. Half an hour would be absolutely great. Uh, you, it just gives us an excuse to have you back on later. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, let's get cracking then. Uh, we'll tack on a, a, a an intro later, okay? So we're now talking to Tony Craig, uh, all the way from Canada. This is just really awesome to have you on the show. Finally, someone from Due South. Thank you for having me, guys. So, I mean, let's just dive in there. Uh, we, we uncovered your interesting kind of background. So you're not from Canada originally. I am not. I'm from the Caribbean. And how did you get from there to Canada? On an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's this kind of insight you can get from due south by southeast <laughs> No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, as you know, my my background is also in music, so yeah, I'm originally I'm originally from Trinidad. Apparently, you have quite a community in uh, England and Europe and the UK, yeah, uh, of uh, Caribbean people. But no, I I, I traveled here quite a bit here in the US in the '70s as a musician, touring with different bands and artists. Uh, I. I Film isn't even in in my uh, my site as of yet, so I had some connection and decided, you know, it's time to make a move. I got on a plane, like I said, and seventies um, came back. And so, how how old? Seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven. All those years, I've, I come, I've been traveling to Canada and the U.S. touring, playing concerts, and that sort of thing. So you were already kind of like an established musician by then. Oh yeah, that's that's my uh, really my forte. I have friends and people that have played with uh, still today, even though they've seen me on many many different TV shows and movies and whatever. Um, and many of them uh, still look at me as a musician, even though I haven't played in twenty years professionally. Anymore. Yeah, and they uh, <clears throat> not that they think ill of my uh, my acting or anything, but they just haven't uh, they haven't that transition in their heads, and, and you know it's kind of like musicians are like cop. Once a cop, you're always a cop. <laughs> right? uh, no, it's true. And, and uh, so once you're a musician, then you, you you belong to that community forever, even though you may not be active. For a number of years on a professional level anyway so so does yeah. that mean you're still a chicago detective as well yeah you go still jack huey man <laughs> in a way uh, can i just ask uh do you actually play an instrument what do you play i'm a drummer ah right okay awesome because uh w- i you- mean sorry yeah. uh, go on, i go. was just gonna say do you still you know that? do you st- yeah, yeah, I, I we've looked into a bit did, of it. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, I've looked into it a bit more. Sorry, Nicola's just playing a bit of catch up. Yeah, actually, a lot of it is on my resume and online, but that play that is a pretty famous <laughs> in my day. Oh no, I know. I saw. I've actually listened to what I thought was a few of your songs online, so I hope they are, and they sounded pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I... yeah. There's some concerts. If you if you if you ever want to check out some uh, some '80s stuff, uh, you can go to YouTube and check out uh, things like Rough Trade Farewell Concert. Yes, Rough Trade is uh, or was a, um, a pretty iconic Canadian rock band, Carapult. So I did a couple of albums with them and toured quite a bit for a couple of years, and uh, the band finally broke up. 80s and we did a farewell concert that CBC here in Canada uh, 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 made a special of and a TV special and you check that on YouTube too you can uh, see my, some of my old uh, chops as a musician <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I'm looking at just the list of people you work with so Benny King Etta James Martha Reeves uh, Sam and Dave I mean it's, it's quite the list sir. yes what was some of the favourites for you? Yeah. What was the what? What was some of the favourites for you to work with? 
think ultimately the the, the one that um, uh, I developed uh, somewhat of a, a, a relationship with, if you will, is sort of a mentor, is uh, Etta James. Etta James was, uh, as you know, she's an iconic blues yeah. singer. Um, uh, uh, somewhere in the vein of Aretha Franklin in the in the, the, the blues genre. Yeah. And um, whenever she, whenever she came to Toronto, whether you know it didn't matter who you know who was in her band, she wanted Tony Craig to play. <laughs> so um, so uh, and then she mentored me a little, and and she said, you know, you really need to out to LA you, you do great and uh, lots of artists out there would love to have you blah 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 and um, I never did make that move and she even said uh, you know I, I understand that you're one of your favorite um, um, idols is Maurice White from Earth Wind and Fire Maurice uh, I know Maurice very well you can come out stay at her house her husband and family you'll meet Maurice and all this stuff and and um, man, do I regret not taking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you never made it. The late Maurice White, that bless his soul, rest in peace. He passed away a few years ago, but he's my lifelong icon. Uh, icon, um, uh. hero. So and so, yeah. So Ella was um, was probably the one that is the most memorable for me. Because yeah. of her, uh, her stature, her legendary um, reputation as a blues singer and all that stuff. So, wow. We even had Stevie Wonder came in and sit in for a night. He didn't actually play with the band, but he played. Um, he was uh, uh, doing a concert in Toronto. And as you know, the old Blue Note in Toronto was uh, another iconic uh, R&B club in the 60s here in Toronto. I wasn't here yet. This is what I heard from the history. And um, all of those artists, Motron artists, and Stevie, and Martha, and many of them, when they came to Toronto to perform, they would play at the Blue Note. There was a legendary Blue Note apparently in, the, in New York as well, but in Toronto they had a Blue Note. And so uh, in the 80s, that was revived, right? And uh, we we were the house band, and, and all of these artists, they've invited all of these artists back. And one night, uh, and they would come in and would play for a week, and so on and so forth. Uh, but Stevie was in town for a night doing a concert, and they invited him. And so after his concert, he showed up with his big entourage, and, and um, we met him, and he sat in and, and played a song. And... Um, uh, my memories was pretty amazing because uh, this 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 guy is not blind. As I remember, I, I remember, uh, and he's, he's funny as hell. He's he, he's the first one to poke fun at himself. Hilarious. Yeah. But I remember. Did, um, did, he, he played a song, and then we um, then the, after we played a set separate from him, we went in the dressing room, we changed, we came back out, and there's all these people around him, you know, and um, uh, I remember, you know, sort of coming up behind him uh, to sort of, you know, sit around and, and, and uh, with all the fans and all of that, 
I remember putting my right hand on his left shoulder to say, you know, thank And before I had a, word, uh, a chance to say anything, he put his right hand on my hand on his left shoulder and said, you know, does the, 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 uh, the, the typical Stevie head shake thing, side to side, tell me, how you doing? And I freaked out. I swear to God, this is true. I swear to God, this is true. I freaked out. We were all introduced. We were all introduced to all of this, and he met us in the dressing room and all this stuff. Um, but I remember him doing that. I, I don't know if you remember that today, but I remember him putting his right hand on his left shoulder, which is where my right hand was, saying, Tony, how you doing? And I never said a word. Now you tell me what that is. Well, <laughs> you know, I heard he had a. I've heard he's ha- he had a, or he's got a really uh, legendary sort of wicked sense of humor. So he'll get people to tell him stuff so he can freak people out. And he would apparently he does this thing whereby he will offer to drive, and he'll go to a car. He will sit in the car. He'll start up the yeah. car to see to play chicken, basically to see who'll crack first. Yeah, exactly. So, the, the, the funny thing, but the story was. When I came up behind him, uh, I might put my hand, my right hand on his left shoulder to say, Stevie, how you doing? That was great. But before I had a chance to say that, <laughs> he responded to me. He knew it was me. Yeah. <laughs> without me saying a word. I remember I that. that. Like it was, it was the freakiest thing. Um, and I remember, that's what I remember about it. Isn't that weird? It's, it's strange that that a blind person that is a person who probably has more senses uh, visual senses than we do in many ways because of, of, of this, this issue but uh, th- that was my experience with Stevie Wonder oh that's great um... and, uh, <laughs> but did you ask him how he knew it was you I never did I was mm. all That's amazing. Just, you know. <laughs> well, two, which I just, before we get off the music, uh, two artists I just want to ask if you ever played with or if you were ever on the same bill at all with is you mentioned Aretha Franklin and also Ray Charles, both which I'm huge fans of. Uh, Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin? Yeah, did you ever work with either of those two at all? No, no. No. Oh, God. No, never did. Oh, that's about the only two I think on the list you didn't work with.
week as their backup band. That's that's how I, I ended up playing with many of these people. Except for with, with uh, people like uh, beyond that, it was John Hammond, the blues legend. It was Etta James and somebody else I don't remember. When they came back to Toronto to perform beyond the blue note, they requested that I I, I be their drummer, particularly for Etta, Etta James. So that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, look, I could just talk music with you for like hours, but uh, we need to get on to, to some of the business about Juice So, but, but before we get into Juice just how did you get from doing music to deciding to go into acting? That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it sounds like you weren't doing too bad in the music. <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, you know, but no one was doing that. It's only in the late 90s and 2000s that you see, I mean, it happened with the really big stars and stuff like that back in, you know, in the day when uh, if you you were a pop music star, you would you would do film. But not everyone, it wasn't a common thing. And so even the average musician going acting, and you see it, saw it more in the 90s and 2000s. But locally here in Canada, um, I could count a handful of people that I knew personally that I was into that, but I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't seeking it out. I wasn't. I just happened to have an unfortunate situation where I had uh, I had a robbery in my house. A lot of stuff was stolen. Uh, I mean, I lost everything. Shit. Um, that was in April of two eighty six. Um. And by the end of August, September, around this time, actually, I got, um, I ended up on a, a, a movie set where my girlfriend was one of the consultants at the time. Um, she was a, 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 a dancer, a professional dancer, and she was choreographing, director of choreograph, whatever it was. Um, and uh, ended up hanging out with her on a Saturday afternoon on this movie set. And the scene, one of the scenes that they were shooting was in a church. And uh, and they were recording. It was a it was a Scrooge, a Christmas yeah. Carol. It was an entirely black cast. You know, they had people like uh, uh, Ted Lands. If you remember Isaac from the Love Boat, they had. Uh, uh, Carlton from Fresh Prince. He hey, was, he was in there back in the day when he was a young kid dancing like Michael Jackson. <laughs> they had Roscoe Lee Brown, a bunch of American stars, and uh, Robert Guillaume. He died recently. He was the um, he was director and a star. And so they were shooting Scrooge. That's Christmas special for ABC, and uh, um, I think it's the first time they, they've they've done that. Um, and uh, and so they were shooting the scene in the church with a choir singing and and they were shooting at the same time that sort of thing, Christmas carols, whatever. Well, guess what? Almost every one in the choir were all friends of mine. They're all local singers <laughs> that I knew that I played with. That's Bruno. Uh, how ironic is that? I was hanging up with them shooting the shit I didn't realize that they you know so well at least the lead singers in the choirs anyway right people like Jackie Richardson and Liberty Silver and, and a bunch of other I think uh, Billy New 
Davis, a bunch of other people were there. Uh, Joanne Brooks. So I was hanging out with them, and um, and then the casting director came up to me. I didn't know what the hell a casting director was at that time. I really didn't give a crap at that time. I mean, <laughs> musician who gives a who cares what people are casting directors. <laughs> Uh, don't tell, don't tell anybody. I said that. But... Yeah, yeah. Now you like them good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't let that work out. Yeah, well, you've repented the error of your ways from back then, yeah. What's that? You've repented the error of your ways from back then, yeah. I have indeed. <laughs> and anyway, so she came up to me and she says, "Have you ever done any acting?" And I said. Hey, I've been acting all my life. What do you have in mind? Jokingly, I'm not kidding. I said that to her. <laughs> and she had a good laugh. And um, she said, well, the director would like you to come would come in on Monday and read for one of the roles. I said, what do you mean, read? What do you mean? But there's a role that you, he thinks you'd be good at. He likes the way you look. And blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. Well, who is this guy? So he was down and, you know, this was close to the stage. I was talking to one of the singers and he was in in this in, in a church. He was on the other end of the church, down in the, the, the seats or whatever. And he point, she pointed him out to me. I thought, and he was wearing a beard at the time. They hadn't shot any of his scenes. So he was, he was, but he was directing and they, he hadn't shot any of his scenes yet. And I'm looking at him and thinking, I know that guy. Wait a minute, that's Benson. From the old show in the 70s, right? She said, yeah. And, and my reaction was, hey, Benson, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looks up and like, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of did it half jokingly, half seriously. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll come in. I'll, I'll come in. And, and so, so, okay, fine, no problem. And, they, and I, I think before I left, they gave me a script and stuff which I did over the weekend and the Monday I went in to do the audition and then, and uh, the, the scene that I was auditioning for was a scene I was playing Scrooge at a younger age with the, with the ghost of Christmas past scene sort of thing right or something like that um, and so and the scene that I was auditioning with was a, was a love scene in the park with a girl. <laughs> and the, the, it turns out, remember I told you earlier that some of the singers were actors who made that transition from singing. There was very few of them in the city at that time. And one of them, her name was Joanne Brooks. Her mother is quite famous uh, in, in, in back in the 70s here. Yeah. Um, and so guess who was the reader at the audition? My good buddy, Joanne Brooks. Uh, oh, this is easy. All right, so I showed up, and, and, and I did the scene, and I did it the way you would do it naturally. I had no acting chops, so I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just looked, you know. And it's funny funny about that because uh, when I finally got the role, and I was, I was struggling in one scene, and uh, Robert Guillaume said, to me, you know, he came up to me at the director said, I know you're having a little trouble, so I tell you what, you don't have a lot of experience. When in doubt, and you, you know, nervous about a scene, all you gotta do, remember this, look the guy in the eye and tell the truth. I never forgot that. That was my first acting lesson, really, wow. on the day. Pretty good and one. So anyway, I did the scene with 
Joanne, it was great. And I, oh, okay, right. And I walked, I walked out, and every other black actor in the city, probably in Canada, was there. I didn't know that until you know much later that these guys were. That's what they did for a living and stuff. Some of the guys are kind of new. I saw them in local shows and stuff like that. But it was like a dozen guys out there waiting in the waiting room. And um, one of them I was still hanging out, talking with. But I was one of the last to go in. So by the time I came out, for some reason, everyone was waiting around. And a few hung around, a few left. And so at the end of it all, we were walking. I remember it was a pathway walking out. And everyone was kind of, it was, that was it. It's very strange because that doesn't normally, it doesn't normally happen that way. Normally you go in, you read the thing, you, you know, you throw the sides away and you leave, you know. But for some reason, this one time, it, not only not only were the, whoever was remaining were walking out uh, in the parking lot, also the casting director was also there. And they, I guess they wrapped up really quickly and they were on their way out. And so one of the guys asked, uh, Karen, her name is Karen Hazard, so you know, jokingly, so who, who got the scene? I remember walking, who got the role, I should say. And I remember I was in front talking to somebody else and they were behind and I felt this finger pointing at me. I swear to God, this is the truth. felt like, you know, she wasn't touching me, but kind of like this thing that I guess Stevie had. You know, I was going to say, it's a Stevie moment again for you. <laughs> yes, Stevie moment. And I felt this finger pointing at me. I looked around and then she was pointing at me. Tony got the role. I thought, really? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> But the, what's what's amazing about that is, is that um, it doesn't happen in the business. That has never happened to me before, and it, that's not the norm. You don't go into an audition and minutes later, the casting director telling you you got the role. Swear to God, this is how it happened. <laughs> did you say, "Hey, Benson, did you hear that?" <laughs> yeah, this was back in '86, so you know. But it was a really odd unique situation and uh, and then uh, so I got a call from Karen the day after she said uh, well you're going to need this and you're going to need that blah 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 and turns out it was Scrooge with all these American stars it was a Christmas special for for ABC and um, I went on did the thing for about three days I worked and made a bunch of money and I called up Karen about a week later I said you know this after I got the check this is really cool. Can I do this again? <laughs> am, am I like, kind of like, am I allowed to do this again? This is crazy. It should be a crime. Can I have a written permission, yeah, please? I, know, I, have I know, I have all this money. You pay me a bunch of money, and, you know, that can't be it. There's got to be more. <laughs> said, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you can do it. You're going to need an agent. Here's an agent name. Call him up. You're going to need this. You're going to need to be in a union, an actor, and all this stuff. Okay, fine, cool. That's how I started in He's a long, long story. And, and the whole music thing sort of fell by the wayside because I kept working and working and working and working, um, uh, uh, you know. In fact, they, they didn't have IMDb back then. 86 to early 90s, mid 90s. We barely and had the internet so, then. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I've done that's not even on my resume or anywhere. <laughs> right? This yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, yeah. 
I'd usually love to have a trawl through your resume and like all the wonderful jobs like Tech Wars I'd love to talk about, but we'll save that for another time because we have got to get into a little bit of due south. I'd feel like I haven't done my job if we don't. Oh, uh, yeah, that's so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it at all, but... Uh, <laughs> so you joined a few episodes in in uh, Free Willy. Was that your first episode? Is that correct? Yes, as a matter of fact, that was, yeah. And how did the, how did the due south job come about? You know... It's a, a, a sort of a similar story, ironically, I, you know. Hang on a second. I turned off my uh, turned off my air conditioner so I can hear you better, but I, I'm going um, to take this into another room so the air doesn't fucking That's um, Do so. In terms of uh, how I got that role, well, uh, <laughs> uh, it was just another audition. It started as just another audition. Uh, you know, you get the you get the call. The agent tell you, send you the script. They tell you, you know, you know, this time and date, blah blah blah. You show up, you do your thing, um, and uh, there's nothing special about it in terms of you know the normal routine of going to an audition, preparing that sort of thing. Um, so I did, and I showed up. Um, and again, there was every black actor. <laughs> and that time I, I, I swear to God, this is true. And you can ask anybody. There's a lot of people auditioned for this role. Guys even flew in from, I think one guy flew in from Vancouver, a couple of guys. Everybody. They threw out a wide net on this one. By now, had you um, formed a, some sort of group together, you know, a support group going to these auditions? What's that? By then, had you sort of started up a support group going to these auditions? Did you car share? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to hear you. Say that again. Sorry, what I was saying was, uh, by then, uh, as it's every black actor seems to be turning up to all these auditions, had you started carpooling or anything by then? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, uh, but no, they, they I mean... They, they, for a while, there were a group of guys, maybe four or five, that would audition for the same roles, because we had similar profiles, the same age, build, sort of look, you know, right? Um, but whenever there's something big, they usually cast a pretty wide net. Yeah. Um, but you, you never know it's big until you just know it's another show, and it's this, and it's a, it's a pilot, or it's this or that. And you know there's a chance that you know, something may happen, but it, there wasn't anything remarkable or special about it. It was just another audition. Um, and so, uh, but like, yeah, I showed up and everybody was there, right? So I went in and did my uh, thing and I left. And then uh, I got another call back, the first call back to go in and do it again. So I went in and I did it. Okay, but a few days later, my agent calls me again. They want you back again, a third time. And then a fourth time. <laughs> and the, 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 I'm not kidding. The, the, the hook was, well, they, they, uh, they're going to be uh, you know, sending a lot of these tapes to L.A. for approval to CBS, blah, blah, blah. And you know, it's a series, and they want to make sure that you have, because you, you don't have any series experience. Um, which is different than you know, doing a one-off deal. So I went back, but the funny thing is, you know, 
if they were trying to trip me up and see what skill they had, I mean, they, they could have given me some different scenes. But they kept giving me the same scene. What was that scene? There was a scene where in Free Willy, uh, which scene was it for the audition? Let me see. Let me see. Search my memory. Uh, I think it was the scene with um, um, walking down the hall with uh, with my what was my partner's name? Um, Dewey. 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 Yeah. Um, and meeting Fraser and uh, the other guy and and uh, blah 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 blah. And so it was the same scenes every the, the first time, the second time, the third time, and so it just kept getting better and better for me. Because <laughs> I thought, okay, they're really testing me now. I, I would and they like they'd send me the thing, and I was like, it's the same scene. Okay, let's go. <laughs> That's what I'm surprised <laughs> you. Scene, I'm surprised you didn't instantly remember which one it was because you done it, did it so many times by the sounds of things. I know, and so. Um, uh, um, so, but what happened with that is that they kept doing it over and over. It must have been five, six, seven times. I think the sixth or seventh time, my agent said, "That's it, no more. If you either you want him or you don't want him." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, she was uh, Sandy Newton. She was she's the best. And um, and so they made me an offer. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many times do I have to do one freaking scene over and over and over, right? Maybe they would. So, maybe it was a test. Like the first actor to go back to them, going, "Look, I'm done doing this. Gets the job." I guess you know. I mean, um, you know, I guess in a way it was. In a way, with someone with no uh, uh, serious experience, they wanted to see how many different ways you could do one scene. And what's interesting about that is, for me, I thought. I got so comfortable with it. It was so it becomes you know. I didn't need the script any, anymore. I started trying different things because in my mind thinking, yeah, let's give them something different this time, right? And every time I try, you know, do something different. And but here's the here's the kicker on this one, as it relates to uh, the first role I got. Turns out, on my first audition. I got the freaking role. That's what I was told. <laughs> I, I swear to God. In fact, in fact, you know who told me that? I didn't know that. It was Kathy Slevin, Paul Haggis' <laughs> sister, who was the executive producer, co-executive producer in the first few seasons. Yeah. Um, Kathy really liked me. We got along. We chatted a lot on set. And she said, you know, by the way, you are our first choice. <laughs> Sounds yes. like they were just coming up with excuses yes. to keep getting you back in. Yeah, and I said, my, my, my thought was, what the frick did you make me come in nine times? <laughs> that was your first choice. In my head, I never said that. Yeah, at the time you were like, yes, that's lovely. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, out loud you were, yes, that's lovely. In your head, I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why can't me do this nine times for you knew you wanted me to? But uh, but no, that's how I found out. I was their first choice. So the first audition with all the other guys, they weren't even thinking. But the reason why she we had that conversation, we were talking at the time. She gave me the background, the reason why it was the first choice. In addition to the audition, um, they were trying to model my character when they wrote the thing. Paul Haggis, they were they were 
modeling this character after uh, James McDaniel. Do you know who that is? Uh, the name rings a bell. James McDaniel, back in the day, um, NYPD, NYPD Blue. Blue. Right. That, that big show back in the in the 80s. Uh, 90s, sorry. NYPD Blue, that was the big hit back then. And James McDaniel was the... Um, the, uh, the the African American cop detective, well dressed, well spoken, and we had the same sort of profile with the mustache and blah 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 blah. And so they were modeling their that character, that Jack Huey character, after him. And I they thought it was James, I guess James McDaniel Light that showed up when I walked in. <laughs> and so, and the reason why they get me doing over and over, I, I didn't have the experience. They liked the way I looked and my persona and my personality. But they wanted to make sure I could cut it, right? Uh, beyond, you know, having the James McDaniel look. And if you look up James McDaniel and my DD Blue back in the nineties, you've probably seen why. And so that's why they kept me bringing me back and back and back and back and back and so on and so forth. Because no one knew it was going to be a big show with lots of money and this and that. No one knew that. Uh, I certainly didn't know that. You, you never do until you actually get the offer. But, um, yeah, that's how that whole thing started. Well, <laughs> one thing which I did want to ask about, I, I've got a few different sort of theories about the first series. We've, we're nearly, the, nearly at the end of watching the first series for the podcast. And it seems like yeah. in that first series, there was a sort of formula to it. So uh, you'd obviously get the guys going off in their case. They'd have a little scene at the beginning, which was also always character building between Ray and Fraser. You'd have Elaine would come in with some information for them. And right. y your character and Dewey would come in and you'd be the sort of foil for Ray and Fraser to work against. Did, is that the kind of feeling you got? Because I know you got more to do later on, but that seemed to be your kind of role in that first series. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the whole idea, I think it was, it was you know, these guys were the leads. And Huey and, 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 and Julie, we were kind of, we're always fighting. We were always the two detectives. Uh, um, I guess antagonists would be my, maybe a good description. Yeah. In a way. Um, uh, to try and get the case. And we never did. <laughs> <laughs> we're always coming, fighting. Oh, you know, Lieutenant this, blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, we never get the case because the, the other guys would get the case. <laughs> um, and so, and periodically we would get, uh, we'd get to be involved in the cases and we'd, we'd always be poking at them for their, their, their incompetence in, in, uh, in, uh, in investigating the case. So, but we were the ones that were always antagonizing and trying to uh, to uh, to to get our own cases, right? In a in a in a sort of in the in the in the, in the within the story, get our own cases, but in, in in a strange sort of way, become the lead. Well, wait a minute, these guys are no good. You put us in there. There's a sort of a strange um, a connection between the real world and the actual story, right? Yeah, I mean... I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's kind of like how it was. I mean, you, you kind of needed those antagonists there, uh, supporting role, whatever. Well, I think uh, what really... I think what really yeah. elevated it, as well as like in the later series, they found new things for you guys to do. Uh, they yeah. seem to... Paul yeah. Haggis seemed to be very clever about doing it so that after a few episodes of having that 
basic kind of to and throw of you trying to steal the case. Sometimes right. because you had a uh, Paul Gross character was whiter than white and was always trying to do the moral right thing, but almost to the right. nth degree, sometimes you guys could come in and what you guys were saying was actually right, I felt sometimes. You know, you you had this guy who was wasting police time, and whereas uh, Fraser would just follow that down the rabbit hole, you guys would be the one going in going, no, you're wasting police time, so we're going to waste your time. And I thought that was really interesting. It was like sometimes they were on the right track, I thought. Well, you know, the funny thing, the entire storyline, the through line of it was, no one really, like real cops, real Chicago cops, right? No one really took this guy serious, and and we really couldn't understand why. Why is he still here? Why is he still constantly in the bullpen and 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 getting these cases and these unorthodox methods and things that he was using all this stuff? And 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 so in a way, we really never understood, you know, why this guy was even getting any attention. He's like a you know. Uh, a guy from the, the Yukon or whatever, you know, you know with a red jacket on. <laughs> you know, that's not how we operate in Chicago. This is how we do it. Do what real cops do. Let us do the damn job. Of, you know. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I think they missed the trick on was I would love to have had a few more scenes of you guys saying something and Walsh almost rolling his eyes towards you going, it's like, yeah, I know these guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again? Well, it's just Walsh seemed to be get annoyed as you guys did with uh, his right. antics. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think he yeah. should have been rolling his eyes and looking to you guys going, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because he never, I mean, he was, he, you know, it's funny that he really, uh, 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 it was never really explained. I'm not sure. I, I mean, maybe it was in one of the episodes, but he really had the authority to, you know, to, to turn everything around because if he did then the show would be over there'd be no story <laughs> but 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 somehow he tolerated Fraser and somehow he allowed him to to uh, to you know investigate these cases with, with Ray and all this stuff so it's a very strange sort of um, uh, um, you know uh, end to the story not end to the story but part of the story um but yeah, we're all frustrated, but we tolerated it. So uh, you know, I, I think the writers had more to do. <laughs> well, I think it's also the only reason why you get away with that uh, suspension of disbelief is because Paul Gross could play Fraser so well. Because if he wasn't so damn charming, you'd go, well, of course Walsh would say no to him. But I just think that guy's so damn charming, no one could say no to Paul Gross doing that role. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Apparently, he was. Um, he, uh, I guess, I guess he he went through the the, the, the grinder or grill or whatever you want to call it uh, initially, um, and they decided to um, to do the show. I imagine he must have done, um, you know, uh, a lot of audition and, and screen testing and all this stuff. Um, but for some reason, yeah, it, it seemed to um, seemed to fit him very well. Uh, Michelle, you going to ask something? Yeah, something I wanted to ask about. Right. We're such big fans of Diefenbaker. What was it actually? Uh, what was it actually like working with the Wolves? Were they well behaved? I, I can't imagine they're so highly trained that they'd be quite um, good to work with. But I don't know. We've got our own little diva Baker here. What was? She, what were they actually like? Oh yeah, they, their dogs were. I mean, they, I think they had two, three, four. 
There's two listed. There's two listed on the IMDb. Lincoln and... I can't remember the other one's name. Lincoln and... Um, oh, it's going to oh, annoy God, me now. Yeah. I can't remember either. Yeah. You keep yeah, talking, I'll look two, it up. Two or three of them. Um, no, they were... Um, they were well-behaved animals. I mean, they had wranglers or trainers or whatever, and then they would, they would sit and wait for their thing. And we didn't have a lot of scenes with them. I don't remember... Yeah, but the only thing we had is that, you know, we'd be doing a scene and they'd be walking after Paul or something like that. But we didn't have a lot of interaction with them, to be honest. Um, but we did, uh, you know, they were on set many times waiting to do other scenes or whatever. So you'd walk by, you'd pet them, that sort of thing. And they were just well-behaved, well-trained animals. They, You know, I, I think that breed of dog maybe lends itself to that. Unlike, you know, a cute little poodle or something be running around licking everybody or something <laughs> it, wasn't like, it wasn't like that you know and i just well behaved well trained animals with a trainer that they listened to and they would sit and they would stand when they were told and they would run and whatever and um that sort of thing we didn't have a lot of interaction with them uh and uh, uh draco was the other Baker. they've got listed on imdb right draco and lincoln that's great yeah yeah uh, just very quickly, because I know we've already gone over the time you you, you gave us today. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, let, no, we haven't. If if you don't know that. <laughs> I must really like you guys. <laughs> oh my goodness. Have you got? I, fly, I said a half hour. We've probably been an hour. Right? I, well, I talk you, a lot. You, have you have a lot more questions, so I just keep talking, and you won't have the chance to answer any more questions. That way, we can get off soon. <laughs> can we go about five or ten minutes more? Sure, sure, sure. Oh, I'll thank you, sir. You a, my, I'll send you an invoice when I'm done. That's more than fair, sir. <laughs> so, yeah. right. Well, going into kind of uh, season two territory. So, uh, Dan, it was Daniel Cash who was uh, Louis Gardino, of course. Uh, so right, he, yeah. he had a very dramatic exit from the show. What What was it like doing an episode like that? Well, you know, Daniel was <laughs> Daniel had aspirations of being a star. <laughs> you know, my no, it's true. I mean, he yeah. wanted to, you know, you want to go. You, he, he, he thought he was, uh, you know, deserved better. He had more experience than me. Certainly, he was in the business, you know, a lot longer than I was, and all that stuff. But he had the aspiration of being a star. Um, and so you know, he wanted to go to LA and get his own show, all this stuff. Uh, frankly, whine and complain too much, you know. But then again, I didn't have any aspiration of being a quote-unquote star. My version of things were, it's like, learn as much as you can, pick up as much as you can, do as good a job as you can, and if and when the time comes, you're ready. You're prepared. If a big, really big uh, opportunity comes along, that was my mindset. Just soak up everything, grab everything, just learn as much, get as much as you can, blah, blah, blah. And and your chance will come to get the lead, right? Yeah. Uh, but I was more nervous about being ready if it came than wanting to be sucked. That was very different. Daniel had a different view of that. And so he complained a lot. <laughs> On set, in the trailer, I mean, it didn't matter. He was, you know. And in some ways he was right in that, you know, he felt that even though they paid us a lot of money, uh, sometimes you have to pay a lot of money just to stay home for an episode so you don't go out and do anything else. 
believe it or not, you know. I've had quite a few of those weeks. Uh, fortunately, back then, unfortunately, back then, I didn't play golf. <laughs> if I was playing, I would have gladly, you know, enjoyed staying home because I would have been in the damn golf course. I didn't start playing golf until, you know, 84, I mean, 94, I should say. Um, and so, but rightfully so, because he felt they weren't writing enough for us. They weren't, you know, I mean, they, they, they would give us this bits and pieces here and there, that sort of thing. And then well, well, a few episodes here and there, they would kind of write some more and get a little more involved and that sort of thing. And he felt that they should write more. And I, I agreed with him, but I also, you know, my goal was different than his. Or his yeah. goal was different than mine, right? In that he wanted to be a star. He felt he deserved to be a lead in the show and blah, blah, blah. And so after a while he said, Fuck it. <laughs> can, can, you, can you say that on the, on the Yeah, show? Oh, it's, it's the internet. It's a podcast. You can say whatever the fuck you want. It's great. <laughs> okay, so fuck it. Hey. We usually sit here drinking uh, rum while we're recording, so we're not really that, that worried. It's cool. But uh, after a while, he just said, you know, I don't want to be in the show anymore. <laughs> uh, just write me off. Well, what was interesting, they couldn't just write him off in an episode. It takes time to, to, to build up to that. And so it had to happen, in, I think, in the next season, by the end of the next season, or a few episodes into the next season or something like that. And so uh, and that's what happened. And they uh, they came up with, uh, and he and he stuck to his guns, too. I said, hey, you sure you want to do that? All the money is paying you. You know, you can use this as a thing. I don't give a crap, you know. I'm sure it's a piece of shit. And, you know, they're not writing enough, and uh, I'm not gonna, you know. Oh, yeah, he was. Man. So we shouldn't ask him on the uh, show. Yeah, and um, so they they wrote an episode and where he got blew up in the car and the whole thing, and that was it. And that was it. Ironically, probably by him deciding to leave the show, they probably wrote more for you, and then going into the third series, I think all the supporting cast got more to do. Yes, yes and no. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> not sure if I should say that, but fuck it. I'll say it anyway. Yay! When it went into the last season, and I'll tell you this, this is what I heard uh, from the horse's mouth. I didn't know this until it was all over, by the way. <laughs> when they were going into the last season, and CBS was not on board. I understand that CBS wanted to come on board, but they wanted to change things up a bit. And they uh, suggested, I'm not sure if these were the terms, but I think that this is what I heard. Why don't we put Fraser with the black detective? That would be cool. Americans would love that. That's what I was told. That's what I heard. And they said, not a chance in hell that's going to happen. No. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's that's I I know that for an absolute fact. That's not going to happen. We don't care how much money you give us. We don't care how much money you you know you you offer to put it back. We're that's not, not going to happen. That's not the way. I guess that's not the way we do things in Canada. I'm just saying. Canada, uh, I thought you were cool. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I was told, and yeah. I got it from very reliable sources that they decide, and that's how they decided to get. Uh, for the last season, other partners on board in order to do the last season, including, I guess, the BBC, somebody from Australia and Germany or whatever, other partners came in and 
they did the whatever remaining episodes to get to 66 and um, and away they went but uh, apparently uh, we could have gotten back on CBS but uh, they didn't want to um, you know but the black guy with the, the mountie so won't it so basically they said it's like right we need some people who are cool with not including too many black people we'll go for Australia we'll go for the UK I'm not sure I feel about this being in the UK here well no 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 I'm not no I'm saying yeah no, that's that's what I was told this is what I heard oh, I know how they ended up having to get their money uh, this is what I was told I don't you know, yeah, no that's very tongue in cheek for me so they went off and in other words they weren't going to go with CBS for the last season because they didn't want to make the changes that were suggested to them uh, I'm sure there are other factors involved it wasn't just that but that certainly was one of them from what I was told and so they went off and got other partners to get the money to finish up the last season so that's what I heard Why? I, didn't, I didn't know about this until I know a year or two later I found this out it didn't what? make me feel great but you know hey well, I'm going to have to ask you one more question because we can't end on that sure. note. We can't end up on that race yeah, racist know, note. Basically, that's pretty poor. Uh, so let's let's go in with what was your favorite episode uh, to film? Your favorite kind of moment in the role? Uh, favorite scenes or favorite episode? Uh, your pick. Actually. My favorite, I've had the most fun. The, the one that I, I, I think I did um, more of a, my character was focused more was, um, it was actually in the first season, I think, where they threw me in at first, I, you know, and I had to sort of learn to swim was Chinatown. Um, but the one that I actually enjoyed the most, with most fun, was the one with the voodoo. Frank, Frank wrote, uh, what was it called? Um, Series three one wasn't it? What was it called? It was. Oh, sorry. I was just saying it was in series three, I believe. Yeah. Or series four. Won the last the series. Thing and what was that? Um, oh, I'm not uh, uh, Where we uh, there was a voodoo woman and and all kinds of stuff was happening in the bullpen and the whole thing was cursed and you know there would be you know uh, things falling apart and falling down the lights and the, the sprinklers were coming on. It's like. Before Mojo Rising? And, uh, what was it called? No, I'm just looking up now. Ro- Mojo Rising. Mojo Rising, that's the one. <laughs> that was that was fun. Because we had to do all these crazy, ridiculous things. And, you know, um, and we're, we, 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 we had an opportunity. It was an opportunity to goof around a lot and just have fun and, and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm not sure all of it was captured and it was put on, on the the final cut but uh, that was that was fun mojo rising i remember that very well but i think chinatown was probably uh one that um that's a little more prominent in oh there's another one that was actually really fun when i think about it what was the one where we were um gambling playing poker on, on a stakeout we're playing um we were, we were on a stakeout and we were um uh playing poker is it Odds? Huh? Is it the one called Odds? Was it Odds? Well, that's one of the episodes which deals with cards. Uh, I'm just trying we to were, look. We, yeah, we were on a uh, we were on a um, a stakeout, and so Fraser and Ray would um, would uh, uh, take a few hours and stake out, and then 
myself and uh, and Huey would uh, and and uh, and Dewey would uh, would uh, uh, take over for a few hours around and stake out. But to kill time, we were um, we were uh, we we kill a, a lot of time playing poker. I remember that. That was that was a fun one as well to do. So in terms of, I mean. Fun. I mean, it, it, in terms of the actual role of fun that you actually had shooting it, Mojo Rising was certainly very memorable to me. Oh, that's fantastic. Look, sir, I, I know we've gone way over the time you gave us. I'm really appreciative. Uh, well, the way we usually exit these interviews, if you wouldn't mind, is we usually mm-hmm. uh, request that the listeners until next week keep their compasses pointed due south by southeast. And actually, before we do, though, is there anything you want to plug? <laughs> so you should you should uh, you should watch for uh, Titans, a, a new series by DC Comics. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I play the um, uh, my my character is introduced in the last episode. Uh, hopefully it, it gets picked up and I play the uh, the commissioner police commissioner of Gotham City. Oh, wow. That's a big one. It's a really good one. You should watch for that. Uh, just finish a net Netflix movie. Uh, what the hell was that called? Um, uh, uh, in the Shadow of the Moon. Not a cop roll. <laughs> <laughs> and um, next week I'm heading up to North Bay to shoot a Christmas special uh, movie. Uh, I think it's Hallmark. Um, what the hell is it called? Um, hang on, hang on. Don't go anywhere. So you, you're working. It's cool. What's that? I was just gonna say. So you're working with Netflix, DC, and the Hallmark Channel. So no big hitters then. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, Rivers Crossing is the name. It's a Christmas movie. Um, I'm shooting that on the 21st, I think it is. So that was all in the last four six weeks. Excellent. Uh, July, August, and now September. So last three months so those are the shows that uh, that's coming out that I did and um, um, that'd be a good plug (laughs) excellent well I mean all such fantastic sounding projects as well that's really cool uh, but yeah, if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, first of all, thank you very much for your time today. This has been absolutely blinding. Uh, but could You're you very welcome. could you just request that our listeners until next week can they keep their compasses pointed due south by southeast? Until next week, folks, keep your compasses pointed due south by southeast. <laughs> He was awesome. Yeah.